Hi, my name is Jacob Collins Brown, and this is UKBF Stories, where we are telling the story of small businesses across the UK and shining a spotlight on their journey. Hi, I'm Richard from UK Business Forums, and today I'm here with Anne Brebner from Workplace Cleaning Solutions. Hello, Anne. Hi, Richard. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming along and telling us your story. So, before I start, I'm picking up a bit of a twang in your accent. So, you're not from round these parts, are you? You're right there. There is a little bit of a twang, and it's a Yorkshire twang. God's country. And I, I can't believe that. I don't think I sound that Yorkshire anymore, but apparently I do. The, um, it's... No, it, yeah, God's country. But, God's um, country. Th- so, you, even though we're in Northampton here and you run a local business in this area, um, you grew up in Yorkshire. I did, yeah. Um, starting at that point, sort of where, sort of tell us a bit about sort of growing up, you know, your sort of younger years and perhaps your first job. Right, okay. So yes, I am from Yorkshire. I'm from Hatfield, um, which is very close to Doncaster in South Yorkshire. Great place, lovely people, salt of the earth. Um, and for me, I I was born um, into a very small community in a, in a place called Hatfield in Doncaster. And we lived in a very small cul-de-sac and everybody knew each other. Everybody was your auntie and your uncle, and it was just really familiar, and everybody played outside together. And that was my first networking, really, I suppose, in life. And um, my, my dad worked for ICI Fibres in Doncaster, and my mum worked for the Citizens and Advice Bureau. Eventually, she was a stop at stay, stay-at-home mum for many of her years, but as we got a bit older, she went out to work. And um, my dad was very much, blessing my dad, he's not, not no, no longer with us, but my dad was very much of, you know, you always got to go to work, you never have a day sick, ever, and he never did in his whole career, and my mum was very much the same, so it was always about that good, strong work ethic, um, and, you know, treating people with dignity and integrity and supporting people, so... That was what I grew up with, and I had great friendship circle. And my first job was on a milk float. The I read that, and I had to chuckle to myself because that was one of my first jobs. Yeah. Saturday morning, getting up while it was still dark um, on the milk float. I I don't know about yourself, but I didn't earn much money from it. No, I ended up buying. Uh, I'd get paid, and I'd give him the money sh- uh, pretty much straight back for a yeah. big box of broken biscuits, and that's what I went home with every Saturday. I'm pretty much the same, but my motivation is a bit gross, actually, because I used to love sour milk. So for me, I'd get on that milk float at five o'clock in the morning. Obviously, there was a thrill of hanging off the back, and there was no health and safety back then. So, you know, hanging off the back, running after the milk cart, and then jumping back on, that was the exciting part. But the sour sour milk, and I'm sorry I say that because I hate milk now, was the actual motivation for doing it. Yeah, it's not good, is it? It's not good. <laughs> It's not good, but maybe my gut health's really good because of it. <laughs> oh dear. Um, the the other thing that I picked up about though, to, with particularly around your mum, is she did a lot of charity um, type, well, supported charity work as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she was. Oh, she was just amazing. And my mum's no longer with me with me anymore either. So both my parents have gone now, but you know their legacy continues because. I love charity work. Um, 
I'm a big I have big involvement with the local charities in Northampton and my mum specifically used to support the women's refuges in in Doncaster so we'd regularly hop along to the uh, women's refuge and take everybody out to the cinema for the day and my mum buy everybody sweets and it was just at the time I didn't really understand what that was all about because I was probably about seven or eight but I just knew she was going into somewhere very sad and we take these this, these lovely people along to the cinema and they come out happy and that was my memory but I later obviously as I got older I understood what it was all about but at the time I didn't know what a women's refuge was um so yeah so I love getting involved with local charities and um yeah just done some recent charity work uh, in Northamptonshire raising funds for the Lewis Foundation and Eve and Northampton Rape Crisis so that's a big part of what I do yeah and I see that from some of the social media that you do as well yeah. Um, so would you say, well, you've, you just alluded to that there, that your sort of mum inspired you in that, uh, well, both your parents in the work ethic, but Mm -hmm. then also with the giving back as well. So as you continued sort of growing, um, you made quite a move. I did make quite a move. Um, my mum always used to say to me, spread your wings around, that's her exact words. And she was right because... Um, I loved living in Hatfield. It was a great community, but there was more to life than more to life than Hatfield itself. Um, and um, I thought, right, what am I going to do? And I was either going to be a psychiatric nurse or a police officer um, because I failed my A levels, so I didn't get any further with with that. Um, and I applied for um, the Metropolitan Police. And I was really honest in my application because um, they said, have you got any medical conditions? And I laugh now. And I said, I've got a Ruka. <laughs> so and, and they delayed me getting into the police for a year until I'd got rid of this Ruka. I mean, there's being honest and there's being honest. I don't know how it affected me doing my job as a police officer. But anyway. Or maybe it made it much difficult running after the criminals. True. But the Ruka went... And I went to the police, I was 19 years old, and oh my word, what a change from little old quiet Hatfield. Um, it was amazing. And uh, for what I see, the sort of areas within the Met Police that you actually um, were involved in are quite, quite deep. Um, mm-hmm. Murder, burglary, robbery, prostitution, these are quite... Um, uh, were they, I don't know how it works with the Met, but are they sort of areas you specialise in? You do, but I was, my first station was Kings Cross Police Station. So from day one of being on the beat, even though I wasn't specialised in, in the drugs, I was meeting drug abuse, prostitution, and, you know, the similar sort of things on a daily basis. It was the best place to work as a police officer because in one square mile, Everything was happening, literally everything. I just couldn't believe it. I'd never come across drugs before. And to see the sadness of it all as well was a real eye-opener for me. Um, But such a great learning ground. Such a great learning ground. I was going to say, it must be such a huge learning experience. Amazing. For life uh, and in business. The, I mean, what sort of skills would you say that kind of career Mm. sort of gives you that you use it today you know that's a really good question because you know when you're in the police you just do what you do and you generally you join the police because you want to help people you want to make a difference and those transferable skills are vast 
Um, it's communication, it's um, listening to people, it's supporting, it's investigating, um, it's being compassionate, it's being, um, you know, assertive at times, um, and also understanding that everybody's different and we've all got different backgrounds. And that was um, a great skill that you honed over the years. And I've worked with some amazing coppers over my time and I've got much ad admiration for them. Um, and also the support they gave me in my in my journey as a police officer. I don't know whether you can show any sort of anecdotal stories of some of the experiences oh, you can... Um, I'm sure this is the sort of thing you'll get asked at any sort of a dinner party or... There are so many. I mean, me and my friend Sue, Sue, um, who was in the police with me, who was basically my mentor in the police, um, she was actually from Manchester, but to me she sounded like a cockney. She'd only been in the police two years longer than me. And um, we used to often go out on the beat together. And this one time we were on night duty in the Little Panda and um, it was coming to the end of the shift. It normally finished at six in the morning. And me and Sue, um, there was this suspicious vehicle, and we thought, hmm, okay. And I said, come on, Sue, let's pull this car over, because the, there was a, a vehicle de defect um, on the vehicles. The lights weren't working. It just wasn't right at that time in the morning. It's that sixth sense. You do get that sense for people. Something's not quite right. And we pulled this car over, and there's three guys in it. And basically, Sue was doing a check, and it was stolen everybody in the car was wanted and sue was like this to me in the background and it's like you know just keep them talking because we need to get the troops here which is the rest of the team to support us because if you didn't handle that situation quite right one they could be legging it you could be chasing them down the street two there could be a punch up so again it was those interpersonal skills you've just got to manage it until everybody got there and you know, it was calm and as much as I met you know obviously I've arrested so many people in my time most of the time if you treat people the same respect that you want to be treated with it can go okay unless there's drugs and alcohol involved and then it's a whole different world you, you never know what's going to happen I mean that that does make sense when you're when you're talking about sort of respecting or sort of just treating people it's hard to imagine when you're thinking about criminality or criminals and you're sort of treating them um, respectfully when you're being pulled over because you're from the outside you'd imagine they'll just be like straight up sort of like mm. in defensive mode or sort of just like looking for the run but it's interesting here you say no matter what area you're in the respect element um, goes a long way to diffusing a situation absolutely yeah yeah um, any others <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, well, there's plenty, but some I can't talk about on film, obviously. Um, I mean, you know, with anything that you turned up to as a police officer, especially on the beat um, in uniform, you just never knew what you were turning up to. Um, and one time when I was still a probationer, um, we got a call. It was a daytime call. So generally in the evening, you, you can generally think it might be alcohol alcohol fueled, you know, put pub turning out etc but this wasn't it was the middle of the day it's probably about one o'clock so I was in the area car which is the fast car which was always great and always really exciting and we whizzed off to this call um and basically we got there and there was this little old middle-aged lady little old middle-aged lady but a little old lady and all was all right and the next thing she pulled a knife out so and she just went crazy and it was from nowhere so you know that situation turned into a call 
which we weren't sure what it was about, to then a knife coming out and myself and my colleagues rolling around on the floor um, with this lady. Anyway, we detained her um, and everybody was okay and nobody was harmed, but it was just always expect the unexpected. Um, and then I got commendation for that, for that incident. Um, I think my sergeant was just particularly being supportive of me because I was a probationer. And next thing I was on the Islington Gazette and I had to pose on top of a police collar like that. It said, and the brave. And my dad bought loads of copies. And I like, and I was actually mortified because I was just doing my job. You know, it's just my job. It didn't need to be highlighted in the media. It wasn't just me, it was my colleagues as well. Um, but yeah, there was it was fun times, Richard. Fun times, but great times. And you know, if I hadn't if my career hadn't taken the path it had, I'd have just stayed in the police force until I retired. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. The as I'm listening to these two stories, um being coming from a business perspective, this is a business podcast with you know UK business about business, and I'm I am just seeing so many experience that like points there where you can turn around and dealing with conflicts within business. So I can see how you you say you would have stayed within that if you if you you know hadn't taken a different path. Mm -hmm. But they are such transferable skills. Um, <laughs> right in at the deep end, if I dare say, That's for true, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the but one of the things, even whilst you're working within the police force, you started a couple of what the term today would use side hustles. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about some of those. Um, well, the, the first one was very, very low key, but I, I always has a passion for business, and we always used to chat at home, me, my dad, and my brother, and my mum about opening a business which was Yorkshire puddings with different fillings and we talked about it for years there was always like these conversations going on and I still think it's a winner I'll do it one day um but when I was in the police I decided to start making dried flower to arrange dry flower arrangements now I'm not that creative and they didn't look that good but I actually used to sell loads of them at the car boot sale um and I like that whole transaction I like to to create something that somebody would buy and they would walk away happy and that's where I dipped my toes, but it didn't last for long. So my garage was my studio. Um, and my friend who I lived with at the time will probably laugh at me saying it was a studio because it wasn't quite that. But, you know, it was that business um, interaction and just, just dipping my toe in something different. Just dipping my toe in something different. And then um, I went on to buy some properties and develop those. Um, my brother's a property developer in, in Northampton. And that's what brought me here eventually. Um, the housing market was so much different to, to London where I was living at the time. So that sort of opened the door in terms of that side of it. But again, it was it, because I had to really, because my now husband at the time needed to get back onto the property market. So you know when you look at things, you think, what are we going to do? So we researched and we thought, okay, let's get a property. Let's do it up. And let's sell it on and that started off um an activity that we did quite regularly for years um while we're in the police force so we piece those bits together yeah. um so about this sort of time you met your now husband yeah. um you just mentioned he needed to get onto the property ladder yes. and that tied in with the time where you were starting to dare i say sort of dabble in business yes. um and you um, did I, you know, interpret it correct, sort of through necessity. Uh, 
is it fair to me say necessity drove you towards it but you found you enjoyed it absolutely yeah I think it's just something different because the path I think the path my parents carved out for me especially my dad was school a levels university I didn't pass the a levels I wasn't I wasn't mature enough um to understand it in my mind later education and learning came to me and I, I grasped it and I love it I love personal development but at the time it wasn't the right time and um, I think once I got away from home, and my mum and dad weren't controlling, they were just amazing, I was able to um, speak with other people around me. And I think it's really important the people you surround yourself by because they can influence you as well. So I had a friend who was into property development and I was listening to those stories and I was curious. And I think, you know, curious curiosity is really important because it can lead to all sorts of things, opportunities, um, you know, experiences, etc. Um, and it did. Following on from that, then a little while you see, so had the side hustles, you was yeah. full time within the police force, thoroughly enjoying it. it. Um, you then um, had twins in 2003. I did. So it was IVF. Um, so that was all going on while I was in the police and. I'd got a new role on the um, on the burglary squad at Tottenham Police Station, so that was happening. And the IVF is is quite intense because you've got to um, you've got to turn up for injections at a certain time. Anyway, it worked the second time round, and um, we were lucky enough to have twins. And my dad was pleased because he said two for the price of one because I had to pay for it. Good old northern bloke. Um, and um, Matthew and James were born in two thousand and three. Um, and I w worked right up to going on maternity leave. I was really proud of that. They literally had to carry me into work in a wheelbarrow because I was that big. Um, and I took a career break. And then I realised I'd, I'd never looked at childcare costs at all. And as you can imagine with two, it was huge. So I did go back to work after having the boys but literally, I was working. I was working two hours, two days a week, and I was travelling from Northampton to London, and it, they were really long days. So it's twelve, fourteen hours. And my childcare was eight hundred pounds a month, and all I was earning was eight hundred pounds. Um, so there was no money. But I loved the job so much; I just didn't want to leave it. But you started a couple of things on the side there, I just did. to make up. Yeah. try and make up the money yeah and it was and my husband is a police officer he he trained to actually be a plumber because we were worried about the money and we weren't sure how it was all going to work out because when you do anything you've got to invest in it to start off with you don't normally get the the fruit straight away so um yeah it was it was a tricky time but um enjoyable at the same time sort of around about this sort of time with sort of leading up to the point where you started commercial cleaning, um, the within well, about two thousand five mm -hmm. sort of time. So this is still during that period, is it, where yes. you're working part time for the police? Still, you're doing some domestic cleaning on the side and yeah. housekeeping, all that on the side, and then you're starting what um, will come to becomes the, your core business today. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a lot of plates to spin mm -hmm. um, just, just to cover the household bills. Yeah. Mm. Um, how was that time? Gosh, stressful. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it, was, it was tiring. But, you know, 
even now wouldn't have it any different way because I think, you know, coming from the police and dealing with the the sort of the um, workload because, you know, some days you could turn up to work and you might not go home for two days. It was literally like that. You'd sleep on the station floor, you would get the job done. Um, so for me... It, Sorry, is that still what, like when you're gone back part-time? Yeah, so, so I've... No, no, not when I've gone back part-time because that's fraud squad by this point. So this is the whole whole different way of being as a police officer. Um, so when I went back to the police after maternity leave, um, that was the fraud squad and that was a whole change for me and it wasn't the job I wanted to do. Yeah, but when you were in the police before, you could have turned up six o'clock that morning and not gone home for two days because you were on a job or, um, you know, a raid or something like that. So... It was tough having the, the my boys, beautiful boys, and managing everything and the business and going, working in the police as well. But um, I enjoy working and I love the challenge of it. What I didn't get right was the work-life balance and I couldn't do it now. I just couldn't do it now. I wouldn't have the energy. And I think um, looking back, I was exhausted but I just kept going because I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And for me, I think it, you know, I'm, I'm actually now it's just the, the pieces are falling into place really because my mum and dad worked hard and their work ethic was really important. And my work ethic and my husband's work ethic is really important to my boys as well. Um, they're 19 now and you know, the things they're doing and saying are very much in line with our values and how we see work, but we also see a work-life balance as well, which I've matured into over the years. Because before it was just like all about working, work, 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 work. Yeah. But during that, if, um, if you paint a picture about that time then, mm -hmm. so you, you're you getting a business off the ground, mm -hmm. you're working part-time for the police, mm -hmm. um, you're relatively new parent. Yeah. Uh, your husband's retraining um, because money is tight. Yeah. Um, you're doing other part-time uh, or work um, with, say, the domestic cleaning, housekeeping. Right. It is very much work, work, work. But there did become a point where it. You burn. You was burning. You can only burn the candle at both ends mm -hmm. for so long, and. It, mm -hmm you hit a point where you had to um, stop. Mm -hmm. um, what was that time like? That, that time was me saying, actually, you can't do everything and you can't be a, a, a jack of all trades and a master of none. I think that's what the saying goes by. And um, I knew I needed more support with the boys and I knew that I couldn't continue working in the police as well. Um, and that's something I had to give. So going back to the police, that was the love of the job. It was not a financial thing because it, I was getting no money at the end of it. Um, and I, I didn't want to leave. I, I thought that I would have stayed in the police till I was 50, till the age you can retire. But that wasn't the case because of the children. It, I just couldn't do it. So um, I took a career, a five-year career break 
I'd had already started the business in the background when my boys were six months old. So this, when when you sort of talking about the career break, is this the career break in the police yes. or career break um, across the board with um, your own business as well? Just in the police. In the yeah, five-year career break in the police. Yeah. Um, and that gave you the, the capacity not only for work-life balance that you mentioned mm-hmm. but also focus in the business yeah the the work-life balance still wasn't it was okay if I compare it to where I am now I mean you know it's a whole journey it's about maturing in business but back then that just gave me the breathing space because going to London every, for two days a week and spending the whole day that's two days out of your week and then you've got children household family etc um to fit in plus business as well so by giving myself that space, I was home-based with my business, which meant that, okay, I did share the um, meeting table backslash dining table with my two twin boys and lots of f- food being thrown about, but it, made, it, was, it gave me time to focus on the business and the business development. So yes, that was a, a, a really crucial time in my career, in my business journey. So, whilst I've got you here, are you running your own or have a keen interest in small business? Then UKBF is here for you. Visit ukbf.co.uk and become part of our vibrant community to meet other like-minded business owners and tap into a wealth of expertise and experience to help your business thrive. Now, back to the story. makes sense as well just if purely financial business decision if you're working if you're going out of let's say your business your home for two days a week for 800 pounds mm-hmm. but that's costing you 800 pounds to do that mm-hmm. it's a hiding to nothing anyway mm, exactly it it, it 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 was but it's just you know when you love your job so much and i felt it was the camaraderie, the team I worked with, you know, I'd been there for 15 years. I loved it and I just couldn't see that. I just wanted to go and do the job that I loved. But you, I see it in many other scenarios where people are um, we're in their own businesses or lives be so focused on something in particular because they think that is what needs to happen or that mm-hmm. they're just that's the way it's always been or whatever it might be but when you step back from it and realize if it's not actually contributing constructively to the bigger picture Mm -hmm. then you you know it's the right call Mm -hmm. you just take a step back Mm -hmm. from it the um from that moment forward the uh you then move towards sort of restructuring sort of building up um the sort of your, your business overall um what led up to that and what what happened there chaos yeah Yeah, chaos busy full you know busy um not not focusing on business development just working on the front end all the time and I think you know over over the years I know lots of business owners and it is it's a common problem you know you're just so busy focused on um, getting the next job and just the day-to-day activities and there's so many of them in business you know nobody didn't realize what I signed up for when I became a business owner um, but there's so much that goes on in the business and there's even more now 
I mean, back then when I first started, it was yellow pages, which were great. It was People used to pick up the yellow pages, they used to ring you, used to get them a cleaner, easy. Now there's so many things to deal with. So I think, um, you know, in terms of why we why I restructured the business, I actually set some time aside and I reflected. And probably in my business journey, that was the first time I did that in about 2016. So that's a long time. Um, but I'm proud I did it because things literally changed overnight for me and for the people who work for me as well. Yeah. Was there particular triggers that made you think about that? And what... Um... When you say the business changed overnight, um, can you quantify that? Well, in terms of emotions, the stress that it was causing me. So it, it, fundamentally, the business was a strong business, but um, I tended to, it tended to always involve me with every aspect of it, even though I had members of staff. So I couldn't let go of the reins at all. And... Letting go of the reins and trusting the people around, and I always trusted them, but it was just like I think I just wanted to help too much, and I that was a problem. You know, I always wanted to help, wanted to help, but sometimes then you, you don't help the person who's trying to do the job because you're always getting involved. So, stepping back and empowering my team um, made all the difference, and it was it was through need again, it got to the point where something had to give. And I went into work one weekend because I just I was actually fed up with myself because I thought, come on, this can be different, Anne. I went into work one weekend uh, and I, I love stereophonics. So I got the stereophonics playing, I got my board out and I started thinking about what I could do differently. And I just scoped it out in a very basic framework of how things could be different. And once I saw it on the big one, I've still got the big board now, and it's great for just sort of visualising and getting things out there, out of here and onto there. And I thought, okay, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can outsource. I can get more support there. I don't need to do that. Um, and that was the start of it. Probably along lines, it was just getting to the point of um, having no time and seeing the opportunity of time. Yeah, that's... The I think um, the time as we're speaking now, we're coming out of uh, well, we're out of the pandemic, mm -hmm. but that also the pandemic itself, the COVID pandemic, was a um, a key changing point for you as well, mm -hmm. where you sort of saw another opportunity that you could sort of expand the business into. Mm -hmm. uh, what was that? So I started my commercial cleaning business in 2005 um, in Northamptonshire and um, during the pandemic um, I've been, I've mentored and supported other cleaning business in the past and um, always been asked more and more about how to set up a commercial cleaning business and that was before the pandemic as well. Um, so I saw that as an opportunity and as well um, the cleaning that we were doing for customers has reduced right down apart from the NHS and having that time and space um, along with my amazing business partner Catherine we wrote an online program on how to set up a commercial cleaning business um, and that was really successful during the the pandemic we supported and mentored many businesses and we loved what we did because we had the time and space and with that, so what you're 
are doing, it looks to me like, you're effectively writing a guide to help your competition start up in business, um, which I find interesting. Mm -hmm. um, right up until then in 2021, then I see what your next step was. So the next step well, was to franchise um, the commercial cleaning opportunity. So at the time when we wrote the course, we weren't necessarily going to progress onto the franchise, but the course turned into a pilot for us, a very successful pilot, and then it led us onto the franchise opportunity in 2021. Yeah, uh, so the, the, I can see the two coming together then. Franchising is interesting to me mm -hmm. uh, because... I'd always, if somebody was talking to me about, oh, I'm thinking of buying a franchise, I would always say, um, well, how much, you know, the franchise is going to cost you this. Mm -hmm. So what does it give you? Does it give you that sort of return? So I've always mm -hmm. challenged the franchise. Mm -hmm. um, but then I've spoken to a number of people who have run really successful franchises and I've learned mm -hmm. new things about that. Um, so... Enlighten me here then. So you've, you've, you've created a guide. Or you started off creating a guide, an online course during the pandemic that um, you've seen sort of just open the door to you to franchising. Yeah. How, um, you know, why did you ultimately follow that journey to where you are now? What, what is, what's led your train of thought from creating a commercial uh, cleaning business in 2005 to now running a franchise network? Yeah, I think, um, you know, sort of the things that we've mentioned during the interview. So in business, since I've been business in Northampton, especially over the last 10 years, I've surrounded myself with a network of motivational, inspirational people and also other business owners as well. And what was a common thing with... Um, what I was hearing from business owners um, was that there wasn't enough support in the background. They were unsure about business because business is massive. And as much as there's advice out there, you've got to go and find it. And when you're running a business, sometimes it's dif difficult to, um, to get the right sort of business advice. And it depends who it's coming from. So for me, I was really passionate about helping business owners um, to support them, to get you know, to, to motivate them so they can actually um, get what they want in life, whatever, whatever, whatever success means to them. So at the heart of the franchise is training and support. So when you go into something new, like when I started my commercial cleaning business, it, literally I was tripping over myself. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't have contracts for years. Um, it was just like, oh, I need that. Okay, I'll go, I'll go and get it. So it was like a learning curve. So for us with the franchise, what's really important is that support and the training and the mentoring. So I'm the mentor for the franchise. I support the franchisees and it makes that journey so much easier. So yes, it is all about earning money at the end of the day, but it comes back to that work-life balance as well. So whereas I was a chaotic business owner working ridiculous hours in the police, etc., it's about giving people that time back. So what we, what our ethos is, it's about a work-life balance and um, 
giving people the right tools and support so they can be confident in their own ability and successful in their own ability going forward. The key things that I picked out as you was just talking there that we see within UK business forms all the time is the challenges of actually starting up and running a business. Mm -hmm. there, it, there are so many different aspects and we, you know, we see it so often uh, where people, you know, they start off a business because they, they want to do a thing, whatever that thing is. So they start doing it and then before they know it, they've then got cash flow, they've got to deal with tax, they've, got, they've then got to think, hang on a minute, I've, I've built this thing, I've created this thing, now nobody's buying it, I've got to do the marketing. Um, and what I've seen from franchising, which I'm seeing more and more of, is actually the the tools that come with that is it's almost it's a user manual. Yeah. It's a user manual for running a business. Mm -hmm. uh, the um, but what um, going through? Um, I'm just going to challenge that thought process for a minute. Yeah. What do um, is there a almost like an adrenaline from the not knowing? if you have the sort of everything laid out in front of you as in the steps to take or is there a peace and calm that comes with just knowing this is what um, needs to be done? I think if you've got a framework and the thing is that framework as much as it's a solid framework you've still got to put your own personality into it you've still got to put your personal drive into it so as much as you can give somebody a framework, they, they've got to go off and do the work. They've got to network. They've got to build relationships, that side of it. But if, if for instance, what we do is we, we take care of the social media to start off with for three months. So that headache's taken away from you. So while you're starting your business, you don't need to worry about doing your posts, etc. You can then step into that when you're ready. So it's like somebody holding your hand tight at the start and then gradually you just let them go and off they go and they just give you a wave and say, thanks very much, Anne. I'm happy now. I can run my own business. And that's what it's all about. And, um, and with anybody, so if there's somebody going through this journey and starting this business, um, what are the sort of key things that you'd recommend or business advice you'd give to somebody who's um, one of your franchisees, so like, three key pieces of advice they need to be mindful of that you can show them the social media for example mm -hmm. you can help them with that or some guides on you know this do make sure your invoicing is up to date or whatever it might be mm -hmm. but actually it's still a business it mm -hmm. actually is their their business mm -hmm. they need to grow mm -hmm. coming from that direction what sort of advice would you give somebody uh, well, for me, it's all about relationship building. So that's absolutely key. So again, with the framework, most of the things are taken um, care of in the background. So automation, support, social media um, is scheduled out. But in terms of, um, it's, it's a bit like dating, right? If you want to find a new partner, okay, you can sit indoors and go onto the digital digital platforms, but you've got to go out and meet somebody at some point. So for me, it's all about relationships, and that's how my business has grown. So networking is key, um, interaction is key, and supporting other businesses. It's not one-way traffic. It's about helping other people. 
and it comes back to you. And that, for me, that's the number one advice I give out to franchisees and other businesses. And it's the advice that was given to me at the start as well. So a lot of people, um, particularly in today's digital way of interacting, as you said, you can stay inside, you can do your digital networking, let's say. Um, the thought of um, face-to-face networking might fill some people with fear. Yeah. Um, any tips or advice as to how to overcome that or how to sort of get through your first networking event? I was absolutely terrified of networking to start off with. I just didn't want to do it for years. And um, I was persuaded to go. And it, I think what we've all got to realise that there's a first time for everything for everybody. Um, and going to a networking event, it can only improve the more you do it. It's a bit like, you know, learning to walk. The first few steps, you'll stumble, you'll fall down. Then you take another step and you feel a bit more confident. Then you go again to the network and you feel a bit more confident. And everybody has been in that same boat as well. So as much as you look around the room, you think, oh, God, they're really confident. They're really they're inside. They're a bit nervous as well. And I think I used to run a networking group in Northampton. And the reason I did it, I went from literally not work networking to being a network leader um, because I wanted to help people who were nervous like I was back then. So with that group, we made sure there was a warm welcome, that they were supported, that somebody was there with them for that first time. And that's all it needed. Really simple, but just support those people coming in because they were like you once upon a time. Yeah. Made all the difference. Um I'd probably also throw my own bit in there. You don't walk in and just throw your business cards at people. Never do that. Never do that. If you do that, you're like, oh, my God, no. Have a quiet word with the people. But, you know, it's about – and the thing is, don't expect to turn up and it's just you're getting business like that. It's about relationship building. Number one thing, everything else can be done by somebody else, but that relationship building is really, really important to a business. And I think we'll probably wind back to – the perception of networking is it's like a business go round, like give a talk or exchange your business cards is like the norm type of thing. Where actually we've all been networking since school. Exactly. It's just building up contacts, getting to know people, finding out a bit about them, and then gradually as you get to know these people, know more about their business. Subconsciously, you start hearing somebody saying something like. Oh, we need to get this place cleaned up. Ah, oh, it's yeah. that kind of sort yeah. of build up from there. You've you've gone through um, sort of really interesting career in the police <laughs> um, into um, sort of trying to sort of balance the books in the house and starting a business and sort of going into that journey to now building your business up into a franchise. I suppose why do you do it? I love business. I found it really interesting, but it's the, it's all the elements to it. And I think if I wasn't having into personal contact or communications or dealing with people, I wouldn't be involved in it at all. For me, that's the number one thing. I love people. I love to hear their stories, their journey. Um, and for me, I get a buzz about supporting people. I get a buzz from showing them there's a different way to work in. Um, I wish I'd done it a lot sooner. I didn't. Uh, 
but hey ho, that's life, you know, we learn these things along the way. And I think the other reason why I do it is because when you're a police officer, you work really, really hard. And sadly, um, I've lost a few colleagues before they even got to 50 because of, you know, the health and the stress that work the work took on them. And for me now, I'm really passionate about showing people how there's a good work-life balance because you're a long time dead. What I've picked out from this conversation is that actually it's not so much about whatever your business does. You're the, dare I say, your personality trait, the t- you know, the type of person you are, where sort of wanting to help people, the franchising aspect, the destination you're doing there, it's not about actually delivering the product. You could be selling cameras as we look around the room or yeah. chairs that we're sitting on. It feels to me that whatever business you went into, you would eventually found your way into a business structuring it in such a way that you're you're not in the product delivery. You're actually um, going to be guiding people doing whatever it is in that way. So the franchise seems like a natural step for you, which is probably going back to like um, your experience in the, your first career in the police force yeah. and sort of. Tr- drifting up from there yeah you're spot on yeah yeah you are spot on and you know of all the different jobs I've done and I've done a whole array and you know working behind a bar I mean I always loved every job I did you know I went into it worked really hard and I, I I loved the human aspect of it so yeah you're spot on Richard and I suppose the last question really is when you think about the steps you've taken mm-hmm. to at the point where you sort of, I'd say you transitioned from having a career in a, you know, working for somebody else, albeit the police, to mm-hmm. running your own business, at what point did you become an entrepreneur? I think I was an entrepreneur way back. Yeah. I When... We used to sit around the table and we used to chat about things as a family and come up with ideas. My dad was a wheeler and dealer, more a hoarder than a dealer, I've got to say, though. And, you know, it was all that going to the auctions and seeing that side of it. So I I think it was way back, actually. I think it was always in me. Um, The police side of it gave me the tools, the transferable tools, which you'd never see or you never think about when you're in the police, but... That journey, if I, if I, it's like a jigsaw. I think, okay, that was then there. We had that um, enthusiasm for business back at home. Um, then I went to the police, and then the necessity um, became a real, really important because there was no money, and the twins were born. And that's when, because I had so much energy and enthusiasm for it, and I, I needed to do it because of the money, but I, I loved it, and I still love it today. It's just, it's just great. Okay. So, so would you feel that um, within entrepreneurs, that it's always there within them? It just needs that trigger. I, I personally do think that's the case. Yeah, yeah I do. So uh, it's interesting, me. That's how. That's my belief. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, it's interesting. I, I do. Um, yeah, I've never really thought about it before, but I, I, I absolutely agree. Okay. And um, you just mentioned we're, you know life's too short what would you like to be remembered for 
I'd love to be remembered for being fun, supporting people and being somebody that somebody can rely on and knowing that I've always got their back. That's what I'd be like to be remembered for. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Anne. It's been lovely speaking to you. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Remember to like, share and subscribe to help spread the stories of small businesses across the UK. Have you got a story to share? Reach out to us on ukbf.co.uk and you never know, you could be the next UKBF story.